Welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation and transplantation. You can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. I'm Maury Steele. I'm Joey Boudreau. I'm Sarah Blakemore. And coming up on the Gifted Life today, lots to get to. Yes, we do. One recipient is working hard on his master's while at the same time finding purpose in spreading donation awareness to others. And we're going to talk about what to do if your despair just won't go away. All right. All that and more right here the Gifted Life Hang on tight. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, we are all excited. Whoop, whoop. Can I get one, Sarah? You excited? Yeah. Uh, Because uh, through the podcast and through this medium uh, where we talk about donation and education, uh, we were connected to a wonderful young man doing wonderful things in the world of donation. So uh, we're going to be speaking to William Porter. Hey, William. How's it going? Now, William actually worked with LOPA and other organizations to make life happen. Um, but William, before we um, before we get to that, let's talk about uh, your history as a recipient. Can you kind of walk us through uh, what led you to be a recipient and, and how you're doing today? Absolutely. Well, first of all, I want to start off by, by saying thank you for the opportunity. It really is uh, a pleasure to be on. Um, so I guess my, my transplant journey really started... Um, Shortly after I was born, um, originally everything was was going well, um, but started to get really sick and very frequently, and we didn't really know exactly what was going on. Um, and so, after some pretty frequent trips to my family pediatrician, I was ultimately uh, referred to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta at Eggleston. And when I got to Children's Healthcare of Atlanta, um, doctors got it right on it on trying to figure out what was going on with me. Um, an open liver biopsy was conducted to try to see kind of what was going on, whether it was allergy syndrome, biliary atresia, or something else. And that, unfortunately, was inconclusive. And so uh, our family was then sent to Ohio, where I was evaluated again. And uh, my family at that time was told just to kind of see how my liver developed. I was put on some medications to improve my bile flow to see if that would help things. Uh, unfortunately, that did not help the situation, and by the time we returned from Ohio, I was placed on the organ transplant waiting list by my team at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. And so the waiting game kind of began, and it didn't take that long. I uh, was put on the list. I was very young before the age of three, and an opportunity came about, and it was awesome. Everything was looking great. My family got the phone call, and we drove to Atlanta uh, pre-op went great. We were good to go. But little did the the, op, the people who were going to be doing the operation know um, just how much of, the, they thought it would be an average day at the office, but that would not be the case. Mm. When I was in surgery, my body uh, could not sustain the IVs. And so what started as a standard medical procedure quickly turned for the worst, and my body actually went into cardiac arrest. Oh, wow. And so I was lost for a little bit, ultimately was revived and obviously at that point the the surgery was called off and i just i was acting strange i wasn't really i was kind of talkative or you know babbling and doing stuff and um you know i I wasn't doing that 
And my parents, you know, had that parent intuition of something's not right. Right. And I was evaluated by neurology. And as I was being handed back over to my parents from the neurologist, I had a seizure. Mm-hmm. And at that point, it, yes. So at that point, it became abundantly clear that whatever had happened was very bad. Um, was it impacted my ability to walk, my ability to talk, to see, to make facial expressions, everything that we take for granted nowadays, you know. Um, and so through a lot of rehabilitation and and just a lot of, quite frankly, miracles, um, I was able to get the call. Our family got the call for transplant on December 31st of 1999, which was New Year's Eve. Mm. And so our family went to the hospital and the surgery was going to be later that night. And so we went to the New Year's Eve celebration where the saying was out with the old and in with the new. And that was very fitting given the events that transpired later that evening. I ultimately woke up on January 1st, 2000 in a new millennium with a brand new liver. And that is kind of the, yes, so that's kind of the abridged version minus some pretty large details, but pretty abridged, but that's kind of how I got to the, the transplant and um, kind of opened the floor up to the rest of y'all to continue the conversation. Okay, my jaw's on the ground. Because, <laughs> okay, it's fast forward to 2021. You're so well-spoken, and we've been hearing these great things about you trying to help make life happen by these amazing things that you're doing uh, with your higher education. Uh, But let's talk about the podcast and how you ended up like saying, hey, gifted life. Hey, crew, guess what I'm doing? Let's talk (laughs) about that part. So I originally was not supposed to be doing this, actually. I am a graduate student at the University of Georgia getting my master's in social work. I will actually be graduating on the 14th of this month. Oh, and I know, congratulations. Right? Awesome. congratulations. And so as, as part of my graduate work, I am placed at a, uh, at, a, at a placement site in the Athens community or somewhere around Athens. And so I got a placement change to Columbia Residential, which is a location here in Athens that is primarily focuses on building communities, really integrating um, kind of the, the holistic perspective of community development and they have uh, properties in Georgia, Florida, Louisiana, where y'all are, and Texas. And so before I started working with them, I have to do a project of some sort. And my supervisor, who I would be under, came to me and said, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? And I told them about my transplant, about me and where I ultimately want to be, which is being a social worker in the transplant setting, whatever that might look like. Mm. And she said, I have an idea. I want you to develop an organ donation awareness program that will be implemented on a virtual format at every single one of our Columbia residential locations across the country. Wow. And yes. No and pressure. That, 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 no that, pressure, that, William. Exactly. No pressure, yeah. right? Easy job. And, yeah. and she said, you know, we look to you as the expert on this and you can use whoever you want. And so my mind immediately, there were three names came to mind. The first name, was my mentor, Edward Drake II, who is the founder of the Youth Knee Organ Tissue Transplants Foundation, foundation I'm very involved in. Um, he came to mind, obviously, my home OPO here in Georgia, LifeLink of Georgia came to mind, and also uh, LOPA did, because I have heard from y'all's podcast and from following the work that y'all do, that really organ donation awareness is very big on, 
on the culture of your organization. And I felt like that including that in my project would just really serve to benefit, um, to really benefit that. And so I just started making phone calls and ultimately got connected with Ms. Cheryl, who is incredible. Um, yes, she is. And I have been absolutely blown away by the support uh, from Lopa and from really all my community partners to, you know, like you say, make life happen. That's the goal of this uh, is really to, you know, inform, inspire, and empower, inform individuals by, you know, dispelling those, those myths and sharing those organ donation facts, inspire them to not only register as organ donors, but also to make positive kidney health decisions because a lot of people who need transplants need a kidney. And right. then finally to empower them to not only make those decisions, not only, um, you know, be informed about their kidney health, but ultimately to go out and be the positive change for their communities. And that's how I got connected with Ms. Cheryl. So, William, we know you got to spend some time with our own Cheryl McGee-Hill. She's a LOPA community educator, and I'm sure she loved the opportunity. She's always looking for new and innovative ways to educate about donation. She is tied to donation herself. So let's talk about that meeting and your plan for making life happen. Sure. So the meeting really started, uh, I reached out to her via email and said, you know, hey, my name is William Porter. This is what I am doing. Here's how I'm affiliated with organ donation awareness and everything. And didn't really think a lot of it. I don't really know why. Um, just because I was reaching out to so many people. And I got an email response back. And she was very supportive. And we set up a meeting almost immediately. And to say that I've been blown away by, by her support and by Lopez's support would be an understatement. I've gotten a lot of support from y'all and I really do appreciate it. And um, yeah, it's really cool, you know, work with somebody who has a personal connection like I do, because I feel like that in the world of organ donation awareness and kidney health awareness, that some of the people who do it, do it the best or the best at their job are the ones that have a personal connection to it. And so, you know, just really being able to bring her in and, and highlight her and, and everything that y'all are doing at LOPA, I feel like just really benefited the project. Oh, I love it. And we love uh, being with the other partners as well. Uh, we were kind of blown away because we were like, okay, he started Operation Impact, a webinar series. And um, we were talking about your your uh, talking points about the why, the need, the impact, facts, and all of this. Like a lot of thought went in to this, which is amazing. And then um, talk to us about setting that up and then the delivery. How do we get that word out? Sure. So really, the the thought process was in kind of in two phases. The first phase was the, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I actually have the chance to do this phase mm-hmm. where, you know, you have all these ideas come to you at mm-hmm. once. And then the second phase is, OK, how do we actually make this happen? And so I sat down and kind of put myself in the perspective of the people that I knew this would be going out to. And so kind of unlearning, if you will, what I already knew and approaching it that way. So that way I could think, okay, well, if I was, if I had never heard about this before, what would be some questions that I would have? Or if this, you know, if this hasn't impacted me, what would I need to hear to help me realize, you know, hey, this does impact me in my community. And so approaching it from that perspective um, turning the mirror around and looking at the community that I was going to be going into and understanding that, I felt like really helped me get an idea of exactly how I needed to approach designing the program. And then ultimately, when it came to the implementation of it or the, the rolling it out, uh, it, it, it sounds 
like it's a lie, but it's the truth. It really was not that difficult. Um, as I've mentioned before to a couple of my friends, um, I, I distribute my own podcast. I write my own blog. So I, doing this kind of virtual platform, if you will, is very natural to me. And so it was pretty easy uploading the videos. The setting the pre-recordings was a little challenging with schedules from, you know, y'all are on one time zone, I'm on another. I had a partner, of, a community partner of mine in California. They're on a very different time zone. Yeah. Um, but I feel like that it all came together very well from the implement from the design phase all the way to the implementation phase. And obviously I had a lot of wonderful support from my mentor, Edward Drake, and the Youth Meeting Organ Tissue Transplants Foundation. They're actually the uh, headline supporter, if you will, of the program. And I got a lot of feedback from them about kind of how to approach things. And I feel like overall, it, it's a pretty successful program. And I'm excited to kind of see where it goes from here as far as uh, wrapping up the program and and seeing what kind of the after effects might be of it. Uh, you're going you're gonna to actually probably replace me uh, in this uh, <laughs> Gifted Life podcast if you keep talking because uh, they used to pick on me because of my thick Cajun accent that I needed, uh, you know, subtitles when I, when I spoke. And then... <laughs> And then you come in here and, and you have such a great idea, great mission, great thought process mm-hmm. and delivery. Right. right. So Thank so you, you uh, you know, you think, OK, what would I need to know? What questions would I have? And that's how you basically, you know, develop your content. Uh, those are all things. Everything that you're doing, I can I can, you know, I can attest from our, our side. We're always trying to figure out how to do those things and you're doing it right. you know so so how did you figure out the, the best way to market so that the most ears uh or listeners are, are are tuning in so the best way as far as the marketing and kind of raising kind of kind of getting that ground swell if you will of people excited about it really came down to a couple things one when i talked with my community partners i said you know yes this is being put out to our residents at Columbia Residential in each of the states. But I also want you all to promote this within your own organizations to show to your communities, hey, this is what we're doing to make an impact. And so it started there. And then also really working with Columbia Residential's um, social media team. I, I did a lot of work with them in helping figure out exactly how to you know, trace certain things or how to do specific graphics. A lot of what I do for my podcast and everything, I, I do a lot of web design, et cetera. So I already knew a lot about that, but pulling from the expertise from my community partners, as well as really the social media team at Columbia Residential, ultimately, I feel like helped me present this in a way that it raised the maximum amount of awareness in the, the time frame that I had. And, you know, I would like to think that I would have more time to do it, but sometimes you you're only here for a certain amount of time and you have to make the best of it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's that's what we've done. And how are you making this measurable in terms of really um, scaling your success? So what the great thing about it being a YouTube video is one, you can see the views, views. Mm-hmm. which is really good. Yep. And also because this is being rolled out through Columbia Residential, they actually have an ability to go in and look at their internal metrics when this is rolled out. And so they can see exactly how many people and each of their locations viewed this video and viewed this content. And then they can send that and they will send that back to me in kind of a report to say, hey, 
this is the number of people that viewed in this state. This is people that viewed in Louisiana, Georgia, Texas, et cetera. Um, so it, it's really nice to know just because it's virtual, it makes things a whole lot easier as far as measurement because you don't have to do a lot of thinking to wonder, oh, I wonder how many people watch the video. You just look at the number and you pull the internal metrics and you have your answer. I have a, a, a maybe a derail, but a serious question about sure. your time frames of, of your, your transplant and all that. So I can give you a, uh, you know, my, my own personal story of that day and that night. And I too felt like, I'm not sure I'll be here tomorrow because we were all told the same thing that the world was going to end yep. on that night. <laughs> yeah. Y2K. Yes. Yeah. Y2K. It's a little before Sarah's time. So she, w <laughs> she doesn't understand it, but, uh, we, we <laughs> You'll but, forgive me for not. <laughs> no, but 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 in, in in all seriousness, you know the the way you've been able to uh, take you know your life experience mm -hmm. and then pay it forward. I, I love the idea. You know, I actually, you know what what you were presented with. This is you know why don't you do this? You know, and 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 put something on on meet you know on you know electronic format. And and to be able to take it and and run with it the way you did is is very commendable. I just want to Thank let you. you know that. Yeah, you know Thank it's you. the follow that. it's the follow through, and I think a lot of times when you have people who are pursuing degrees because you were getting your master's yeah. in social work just like I did, and we both have you know personal connections to donation transplantation, and that's where you really find that niche of passion. Mm -hmm. And I think you having the follow through to not only pursue your degree, which is already commendable in social work, but then focus it in on raising awareness for this cause. Um, Tell me how you think personally, because you're already doing it, but how do you think your life experience, your transplantation process and journey is going to make you a better social worker in the future? Wow, that's that's a hard question, question. to answer. <laughs> um, that's good. So I think really what it comes down to is that personal connection, right? Where sometimes you you could be in a hospital setting, you could be in a family care setting, and you could be dealing with people who are going through things that you never wish on anybody. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, you just don't understand. Mm. But knowing me and, and my story, I can turn around and say, actually, yes, I do. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you might be going through something different. I had a liver. You might need a kidney, heart, pancreas, et cetera. But I've been there. I've been the kid who has seen three, actually, excuse me now, four of my best friends die who have had transplants, two of them before I graduated high school, one of them when I transferred to UGA and another one just over this past summer. And so I've seen, I've seen the mm -hmm. pain, I've mm -hmm. seen the hardship, but I've also seen a lot of the joys, mm -hmm. you know, and the celebrating those small victories. And what I try to do in my podcast, the Joy in the Journey podcast is to really focus on those joys, to find the people who, even when a situation is hard, even when it is so hard to look at it from a, a positive light and a positive perspective, they do it. And so that's really how that came about. And ultimately how I see it pay, paying off for me in my career is to be able to bring that aspect and knowledge from seeing transplant from the other side. Because social workers, you know, they'll go to work nine to five or they might be on call, but unless they've had a personal connection, there's a side of transplant that they will never see. And that's okay. 
but as somebody who has seen now or will be able to see both sides of the equation from the recipient side and also the provider side, I can have a level of knowledge to know, you know, why we ask so many questions to know why is it that, you know, we, we give these people all the resources in the world, but they don't take them. Well, as someone who's received a transplant, I can tell you sometimes it has to do with depression. Sometimes it has to do with anxiety, has to do with whatever it might be, but understanding that and being able to see it from both perspectives at the same time, I feel like really um, mm -hmm. pays off for me and, and will hopefully make me a very good social worker regardless <laughs> of where I end up. We're going to give you an A right now. <laughs> good job. Thank you. Um, and I love that uh, one of the components of Operation Impact, your webinar series, uh, was facts. Um, I'm out in the community. We educate. Um, some people don't want to talk about death, um, but some people are just misinformed. And so busting those, those myths, and I know that's where Cheryl came in to help you a lot. Tell us how that uh, portion of it went and why that was so important to focus on. Well, I, I love all my community partners. They're absolutely incredible. And part of me really wishes, I actually recorded this section, one, it was one of the last ones. I wish it was actually reversed because the way that Miss Cheryl uh, and Miss Tiffany Moore, who was my uh, contact at LifeLink of Georgia, the way that they collaborated on that section was, was truly magical to see their connection. And, and I almost kind of sat back and felt like I was observing my own project, but from an observer, not the active participant. Mm -hmm. And it was really cool just to see her level of knowledge and experience and how she was able to combine that with, with my community partners and, and LifeLink. And that was really neat, you know, because in these communities you're going into, sometimes, you know, we can have the best intentions in the world, but we're not there on the ground. You know, Cheryl is is there in Louisiana. She knows the community. She knows the she knows the ins and outs. And being able to lean on that and, and gain from that knowledge and adding it to my project, I felt like just really went went well. And to say that I enjoyed this process and and sitting down with Miss Cheryl would, would be an understatement. Um, we probably had, I think it was a good 45 minute conversation afterwards just on the phone talking about life. Um, she's, she's one of those people that you can approach her just about anything, organ donation and transplant. And before you know it, you'll look down at your watch and you're like, oh my gosh, I've been here for 45 minutes. What am I doing? But in all seriousness, um, very honored to, to have her support. And it was really cool to, to see the, the knowledge that she had and her ability to communicate that and also to combine that with Ms. Tiffany Moore from LifeLink was really something special to see. Well, William, I know you graduate soon, uh, so uh, I happen to know a guy who is in the hiring of uh, <laughs> social workers here at LOPA. <laughs> Who's that, Joe? You happen to know. I wonder who that is. <laughs> that, that I'm pretty certain that he would be uh, very interested in you coming over. Uh, so, sorry, uh, LifeLink of Georgia. <laughs> but, but seriously, so... And, and uh, no, actually, I am serious. But if not that, uh, so what's next for William? Like you, you obviously have taken on so much you know, while you're in grad school and, and, and while you're trying to get your master's there in social work. So what's what's next down the road there? Well, uh, next is probably to, to actually graduate. That's kind of important. You mm. need to have the degree before you can do anything. Yep. Um, I'll graduate on the 14th of this month. I'm very excited. And after that, I'm actually looking at a couple opportunities. One of them 
is, uh, I believe, a, a, an opportunity with the Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville. Um, funny side note, I was actually accepted as a social work intern for, I believe, their kidney transplant department last summer. However, because of COVID-19, surprise, surprise, oh, that yeah. didn't happen. Mm -hmm. And so after that, I was really kind of beat down. I was like, why in the world did this happen? And then some other opportunities came about. So that's one avenue I see myself going into. Um, I've also become in, created a contact at the Florida State University um, with a couple of folks out there doing some really incredible work in, in organ transplant research. And so I've talked with them and the way that I see my career going is either going the route of uh, a social worker actually in the transplant setting, whether it be at an OPO or in a transplant center or going the route of getting my PhD and actually doing the research to make sure that the information that we have about outcomes, about post-traumatic stress disorder, about all these other things that are important to the transplant experience, that you know those inform the work that social workers do. And so really being on that front end and cutting edge of finding that research and helping inform the, the people out there in the communities, um, that's kind of the two areas I see myself going into. But again, the way I view life is I'm going to take it a day at a time, step at a time. I'm going to continue to take joy in what I'm doing, to take joy in my own journey, um, to continue doing my podcast, to continue writing my blog, um, and to just continue loving life and enjoying second chance that I've been so graciously given. You're a good guy. Just a good human. I love it. All right. So you. Um, you mentioned your podcast. You mentioned your blog. Uh, we want to know um, how to find those. And then the webinar series, is that something that we can find on YouTube? If so, how do we do that? So let us know how to connect. Sure. So uh, all of my platform, you can find, I believe it's www.impactamericanmedia.com. You can also find the YouTube channel. It's called Operation Impact. And actually, if, if you're having trouble finding the YouTube, uh, YouTube videos, I have actually internally embedded each of the three and will soon be four videos on that website. It'll be under the Operation Impact tab. On that site, you'll also see uh, the blog, the podcast. I actually am collaborating with a couple of my friends, uh, Kyle Hockridge, in Canada, who has uh, who does some things, and also uh, Anthony Reed, who has Kidney Trails, he has a podcast, and Jonathan Trailer, who has uh, Hope with Jonathan. So those two podcasts are actually, along with mine, uh, all on that site. So you can find all that information, learn about the program, watch the videos. We have some some more content on there, and you know, go over and just take a look at it. You know, we're we're doing some really great work, and I'm I'm very honored and blessed to to be connected with LOPA and, and other people in, in the country and even around the world up in Canada who, who are doing this and passionate about it. And I'm just very honored to, again, have the support of, of LOPA and really all my community partners because, you know, I can, I can have an idea all I want or you can have an idea of what you want to do, but sometimes it takes other people. And as great as, I, as great as it is to hear myself talk, I love to find the people who are doing the work and elevate their voices and, and work kind of in collaboration or work together. And I feel like that's something that we've done with, with this project. And I'm just really excited for the future and to see what comes. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, we always talk about it just takes one person, one person to make a difference, one person to make life happen. And um, you just sound like a good human, that one person that's doing good. So keep it up. 
good luck. Congratulations. All the hoorahs, hoorahs, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like you have a bright future uh, and a future that involves donation and helping so many families. So thank you for choosing this path. Absolutely. Here on the Gifted Life podcast, we take a moment for mental health. Yeah, Laura, so often families reach out to us because they are, quote unquote, stuck in a rut. So because of that, Sarah's going to be talking about that very topic today. Yep. So today we're going to talk about what do you do when you are just stuck in your despair? You can't get out of it. It just nothing is working. You just feel hopeless at times Mm -hmm. and you just feel like there's like this dark cloud over yourself. So what do you do? Um, Well, first of all, just acknowledge that you are withdrawing because that's the main thing with despair. When you are so filled with despair, you start to withdraw from family, from friends, from yourself. Mm-hmm. That's a really big one. Um, you're not acknowledging you know, how you're feeling. You're just basically numbing out. Um, so what do you do? I have some coping skills. Oh, wait. Hold on. Let me get my pen. Yes. Okay, let's go. I love a good coping let's skill. Let's do it. So the first one is take a walk get outside your house change of scenery yes just Mm -hmm. anything fresh air it's Mm -hmm. probably one of the hardest things to do when you're a lot of people who are filled with despair just lay down Mm -hmm. they lay on the couch they sit down but then the walls close in Mm -hmm. on you it's dark Mm -hmm. it's just yes just get up and take a walk around the block you know what you notice it's funny the first thing when you start walking uh, oftentimes at least i do birds chirping Mm-hmm. It's the fresh air, but it's also you, you hear the birds chirping. And it's, it is. It's yeah. it's different stimulus than just a yeah. blah, blah, blah on a TV. Or and I like the smell of freshly cut grass. I don't mm-hmm. know. Don't know. Mm-hmm. Sp- yeah. Bring me back to childhood or something. But that like perks me up. Well, mm-hmm. it really is. It's about like stimulus. Like yeah. you, you don't get fresh air in your house. You don't mm-hmm. hear things. Get outside and have stimulus. You're physically stimulated mentally. Your senses are going off. Just get outside, even if it's for a couple minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the next thing is just give your sorrow some words, whether that's you talk it out, write it out, just in some form, get out what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. Speak it, write it, think it, just acknowledge it, essentially. And it really helps. I mean, we hear it all the time. I am not personally a good writer. I don't like to write down my feelings, but I do like to verbalize them, mm-hmm. even if it's just like a voice memo on my phone. I can get it out and you just you just work it out. It makes everything better. It does. My sister's my person, so I'm okay. Well, that's what like I was I'm comfortable, say. Yeah. safe place. Here's what's going on. Mm-hmm. We've <laughs> talked about that in the past, you know, having someone who's a sounding board. Yeah. Who's not there to, to su- fix a, a solution or provide a solution. Right. Who's just, just to there listen. to listen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. obviously very key in this. Yeah, and you can use a lot of like imagery because I know in grief, like there's a lot of imagery Um So use imagery to describe to yourself and to others like how you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Next is to just honor it. And this kind of ties in with the next one, which is we've talked a lot. We've talked on the podcast about um, toxic positivity. Don't make yourself feel better by only being positive. That doesn't Mm -hmm. work. Acknowledge your feelings. Honor them. Say there's a reason I feel this way. There's a reason I'm thinking this way. Don't just numb it and push it down or try to excuse it away with positivity. It doesn't work. I had a friend on uh, social media and and so she said, okay, here's me being real. Mm -hmm. I put a lot of pictures that things look perfect, but they're not. So I'm signing off. You can text me. 
uh, got some stuff I'm going through. You know, so it yes. was like she said I, I was trying. It was too heavy. And I was like, oh, I, I get that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talk about it all the time. Social media is a tricky thing. Um, you don't get a lot of authenticity on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so honor it and be authentic with yourself and others in whatever way works for you. And as always, the last one is to seek out connection. Go to someone, anyone, text. It doesn't have to be a phone call. I know that can seem um, huge right, to some people, yeah. even just calling. Mm-hmm. Just text someone. I'm having a dark day. Need someone to like witness mm-hmm. for this and to feel like I'm not alone. We talk about how important human connection is. It's the key to everything. And when you're full of despair and you're withdrawn, you're isolating yourself mm-hmm. from yourself and others. So seek out someone who will listen and just be there with you. Good tips. Yep. And not overwhelming, you know, because sometimes it's like, oh, I don't know if I can do all that. There's yeah, like little mm-hmm. steps. Take it every one day at a time. I love it. Maybe you have a topic you'd like Sarah to cover. Email us, info at thegiftedlife.org. It's our question and answer segment, guys. And I have a question I'd like to bring to the table. Mm. Out in the community, lots of questions coming in about living donation. What is it? Um, how do I learn more? And so, of course, I think about the podcast, right? Because it's where we kind of do our, mm-hmm. our learning. Um, but I want to talk about that. So how do we help people learn more about living donation? Yeah, Laurie. So so we talk obviously a lot about uh, deceased donation, mm-hmm. deceased organ donation, because that's what OPOs focus on. Uh, but 20% of the, of the do- donations and transplants come from living donation mm. as well. So uh, obviously, oftentimes, the majority of the times, uh, the the person that's interested in living donation has a friend or family mm-hmm, right. that may have a need, and of course they're already uh, being worked up at a, a specific transplant facility. And and oftentimes, uh, you know, that is one resource uh, that that can be utilized because you know obviously they 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 work regularly with many living donors. Uh, but if you don't have that as a resource, unos.org. Uh, unos.org has uh, a, a page. If you uh, go to the transplant tab there, they have basically everything that you need to know about living donation, uh, directed donation, kidney pair donation, non-directed donation, all of the, the aspects of understanding the living donation and the change that take place there. So from start to finish, so you can find out a ton of resources there. Yeah, and if you um, like to listen to the podcast, you are learning with us here, right? Sarah? <laughs> we talk about that. We learn from our people. Yeah. Um, so there's a, a bunch of episodes. Um, one lady uh, was looking uh, for information about living donation and found our podcast and then went on to donate, which was pretty incredible. So her story is on episode 87, uh, 76 is another episode, 69, uh, episode 160. So there's lots out there. You can go to thegiftedlife.org. You can search for living donation. It's always incredible the wealth of information we learn right here on the Gifted Life podcast. Yep. Always good to learn and have a refresher. So go listen to those episodes and go to those websites Joey mentioned. But if you have a question for us, why don't you give us a call? 504-648-3477. On every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. Today, we honor Jonathan Catois. And we learn about him from his family. It's every person's nightmare. Your loved one was in an accident or is dying. In our case, our son Jonathan was in a traffic accident in June of 2019 and suffered a traumatic brain injury and would not survive. 
We went home, and as a family, we knew in our hearts what needed to be done. My husband wanted to donate his organs. JD was a registered donor, but we couldn't get to his license. Lopa helped us through the process of what needed to be done. They are such a loving and caring group of people. JD was my little free bird hippie, a loving and kind-spirited person, always giving and helping others, so it seemed appropriate that even in death, he is still able to help others. He was able to donate six of his organs and many tissue donations as well. Jonathan David died on June 14, 2019. His spirit lives on today in so many new lives. He is our hero. And now we pause and say thank you to Jonathan for the gift of life. And that is episode 162 of The Gifted Life, guys. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can always register as an organ, tissue, and eye donor anytime. Registerme.org. Special thanks to our guest, William Porter. What a busy, busy guy. (laughs) Obtaining his master's. And then while he's doing that, of course, teaming his passion of what happened to him throughout his lifetime with his academics Mm -hmm. to help save more lives. That's just cool. That is. That's just cool. We're just going to leave it at that, right? Like, keep going, uh, William, and we hope to have him back here on The Gifted Life, but neat story. Yep. Yep. How it all unfolded. All right, the best place to find us is on our website, guys, thegiftedlife.org. You can listen to any of our episodes on our website or wherever you like to listen, whether it's Google, Spotify, Apple. If you do listen on Apple, go ahead and subscribe and give us a five-star rating so that others can find our podcast. On social media, guys, Facebook, we're the Gifted Life Podcast. Twitter and Instagram, we're at Gifted Life Pod. We hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. Thanks for listening. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreaux, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Carraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs> <laughs>